Thank you. Just vote for me, and I will fix all of your problems. Don't, don't worry. Thanks for being here with us this weekend. Uh, we're in this series called Mixed Messages. We've been in for the last handful of weeks. And uh, what we've been saying is the reality is that we find ourselves in today is our world has just changed. Uh, how we receive communication, how much messaging comes to us, it's all changed in the last 5, 10, 15 years, and it's become exponentially more. Right? So think about how many advertisements and, and how many opinions we would have been exposed to 15 years ago. And you think about the creation, the invention of the smartphone, of social media, and now we can see how many more messages are coming to us all the time. There is an opinion, there's a commercial, an advertisement, a share about everything under the sun, and kind of everyone is telling us all the time about how to think, how to live, how to vote, how to spend our time, our money, where to put our heart and our energy and our resources. And we said that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's not like this big crisis, but there's a reality that we need to begin to adjust and we have to learn some new skills. How do we now sift through the messages? Because we're all looking for real messages to give ourselves to, to lock into, and to say, you know what, this message is true and real, and I want to adhere to that one. That's the voice that I want to listen to. I was thinking about this, uh, watching my son a few years ago, first started to play basketball with our uh, game day sports league. Uh, he did the practices, he prepped, he was ready, and then he went onto the court with his teammates. And I remember watching him get so confused by all of the voices talking to him at once. When the game actually started, his teammates were calling to him, the opponents were calling to him, his coach was calling to him, his family members were cheering for him, and he kind of looked and stood there like a deer in headlights, like, who, am I, who do I listen to? How do I find the voice of my coach, right? That's what we're really all trying to do. How do I find the one voice that I should really hear and listen to, and how do I turn the volume up on that? And really, regardless of where you are in your faith today, uh, that's, that's what we're looking for truth to hear, something that's real and valuable. If you're a follower of Jesus, we would recognize that that truth comes primarily through the voice of God through the Bible. And we said we want to begin to be good at cutting through the noise and hearing God's voice on different parts of life, different aspects of our world. And if you're not yet a Christ follower, if you kind of hear saying, you know, I'm, I'm just checking this thing out, here's what this series will do and this conversation will do for us. We'll be able to see clearly from God's word what God would say about a given issue. Because uh, there's a reality that even through Christianity, at times we have offered mixed messages. Sometimes we'll say different things about different subjects and kind of warp and, warp and distort the Bible and the message that God would bring to us. So this is what we've been doing. We've been looking at uh, different conversations about things like what is truth? Where does it come from? We talked about the Bible. Uh, we spent a week talking about people. Right? What are we? Where does our value come from? How should we view each other? And then a, a week or two ago, we looked at sex and sexuality, and we said, man, what do we do with sex? How does that all work? So if you missed any of those conversations, I encourage you to catch up online, graceohio.org, and I think you'll be glad that you did to get some clarity around some of these topics. And then, oh yes, we're going to have the big conversation today, talking about citizenship, politics, and uh, there is this thing called the election. It's just a few days away, right? So we're going to talk about that today. I hope we can all be friends after the next few minutes here, right? So we're going to dive into this conversation about uh, politics and uh, in our citizenship and how do we engage it. 
I don't know about you, but I am like ready for this thing to be done. I think we all are. Uh, Personally, this has been a very confusing and frustrating and uh, fairly ridiculous election season. I think we all feel that way. Uh, There's a sense where a lot of us would feel a sense of anxiety, uh, maybe even fear about the direction of our country, where it's all going to land. And there's a lot of different ways that we can embrace that message. Right? And, and again, there's mixed messages coming to us all the time about uh, politics and about what the candidates would say. So we're going to hear uh, our candidates calling to us and say, boy, vote for me. I'll fix all your problems. I will make your dreams come true. I'll create unicorns. Right? I'll do anything. And the, the other candidate or the same candidate is going to say, here's the 38 reasons why this other candidate is the devil right? and why you shouldn't vote for them. And so all of those are coming to us all the time. How do we sift through it? How do I engage my citizenship, right? Because we are American citizens. How do we do that? So that's what we're going to dive into. And let me just set down some ground rules here before we even jump in. Um, One of them is this. You are not going to walk away from this conversation today knowing how to vote, right? I'm not going to tell you how to vote. None of our pastoral staff is going to tell you how to vote. Uh, Our church is not going to look and stand behind a party or a candidate and and endorse them. Grace Church will not do that. You say, well, why not? Some of us would ask that question. It's a good question. It's really this, that no party, no political party can fully represent the heart and the mind and the justice of God. It's just not how it is. There, There are solid points, valid positions and policies really on both sides or on many sides of the political spectrum. So we're not going to stand behind a candidate or a party and say, go with that one. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Our church won't do that. Uh, The other thing I want you to know is uh, I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to vote, right? So please don't ask me or my wife or my children. Come on, people, (laughs) right? (laughs) Don't go there. Uh, We're not going to tell you, okay? So there's some ground rules, and I want to walk us through this. Uh, Part of what is confusing about this, if I'm a follower of Jesus, and this whole conversation is going to be kind of bent this way from the the perspective of what it looks like to be a citizen if I'm a follower of Jesus. Part of what happens for me if I'm a follower of Christ is I'm engaged in, in a dual citizenship, a dual citizenship. So if you're here and you're a citizen of the United States, right, I'm a citizen of America, I have that citizen and say, what does citizenship even mean? It means I belong to a people and a group, a land. I am a member of this country. I belong to it. We together belong to, right, America, to the United States of America. That citizenship is real. And here's what we'd say. No matter what citizenship you find yourself attached to, if you weren't American, if you were uh, attached to a different citizenship, until Jesus comes back, there's some, some things that are true and real we need to recognize about our human or earthly citizenships. Uh, one is you got to have one, right? You got to live somewhere. We, we can't find ourselves on the planet where we are not attached to some kind of government or country or land. It's just a reality. It's part of living here on earth. Uh, I want to recognize that. I'm going to have to find myself living somewhere. The second thing I want us to, to find out is that every society we're going to find ourselves in is going to be imperfect. It's going to be imperfect, no matter what. Until Jesus himself is physically reigning, we are going to find ourselves in imperfect societies. We have to recognize that. We will not create in and of ourselves a human utopia 
here on earth, not until Jesus changes things permanently. The next thing I want to recognize is that our leaders are always going to be leaders who are imperfect of this imperfect society, flawed human beings, right? So I got to live somewhere. My society is going to be imperfect, and the leaders that are leading us are always going to be imperfect. I just want us to recognize that's part of the citizenship that I have here in the country. And now the Apostle Paul is going to introduce us to another citizenship that we have if I'm a follower of Jesus, right? So I'm an American, and now I'm also going to be a citizen of somewhere else. Let me show you this in Philippians chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can turn over there just for a second. We're only going to spend a minute or two here. It's page 820 in those Bibles underneath your chairs. If you want to grab them and open up, feel free to do that. You can follow along in our services, and then if you want to take that home, if you need a copy of God's Word, take that with you and make that Bible your own, a gift from us to you. Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is teaching, uh, talking to the Philippians, and he's talking about a different groups of people. Right before verse 20, here's what he says. He says, their mind is set on earthly things, right, the, the group that he's referencing here, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Our citizenship is in heaven. Paul is gonna make this point and help us to see that if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I say yes to the fact that Jesus laid down his life to pay for my life, and I say I wanna follow that king, what happens when I say yes to Jesus, I get included into the citizenship of heaven. And Jesus would say this about his kingdom, right? That we can be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, his kingdom is not of this world. So we're never going to be able to, at least not until Jesus comes back, we're not going to be able to look at a map and say, oh, there's Jesus' kingdom right there. You know, it's in Europe or it's in Asia. It's not on the planet. It's invisible. You cannot see it. His rule and his reign, his kingdom, that's what the word means, the citizenship that I can be a part of if I follow him is a spiritual one. He is Lord of our hearts and our minds and our souls. And he rules over us. And one day, his kingdom will be physical. That is not today. He would say, my kingdom's not of this world. Right now, I can voluntarily enter into his leadership. I can make him my leader, be part of his kingdom, and I can be a citizen. And when that happens, what happens is, when I become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, is I join in with the rest of the citizens of heaven. I become part of that family, brothers and sisters, that I will have forever. I will always have forgiveness. My eternity is secured and God will be my God and I will have perfect justice from his leadership. He's the only leader that can lead perfectly and I can trust him fully to be truthful with me, to never fail me, to never have a, a moral breakdown, right? Or to be hiding something. He alone is God in my life. Now, if I am a citizen in America, and I follow Jesus, I have a dual citizenship, right? I belong to the United States and I belong to the kingdom of heaven. I cannot see that kingdom, but my allegiance, my heart, my mind belongs there. I'm a dual citizen. Now, part of what makes this thing interesting is this. As an American citizen, I really never disconnect from either of those identities or those realities. So no matter where I go, I'm always going to be an American citizen. Even if I leave the country, I'm still a citizen of America. And no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I'm still a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So what gets confusing 
is how do I interact with my dual citizenship? How do I navigate that then? Right? Be- because I'm so American and I'm so a citizen of the kingdom that sometimes it gets hard to separate those two and to understand where to put my allegiance when it's called upon. So what I want to do here and now is help us to see some of, of the breakdown of what that dual citizenship looks like. I want us to gain some clarity out of this time to be able to say, got it. I understand now how to navigate my dual citizenship, how I can process, how I can think about it to maybe gain some more perspective about how to be a citizen here and a citizen of heaven. All right, let's start here. Here's what I would say. This dark circle right here is gonna represent America, and by the way, these are not to scale. The kingdom of God is not the same size as America. Okay, it just makes sense on the whiteboard. By the way, I wish the whiteboard was bigger. If I could have a bigger whiteboard, that would be great. I'm just saying. Okay, here's, this is gonna be the country. Okay, I'm a citizen of the country. This, this uh, dash line right here, since it's invisible, made it dash. This is gonna be the kingdom. This is gonna be the kingdom. I'm a citizen of the country. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. Now, I want us to see, I use green here. I wanna make sure you see this if it doesn't show up. This is green, and this is gonna represent this huge area of overlap that we're gonna have between our citizenships, okay? So in our country, follow with me, it is perfectly legal, it's within the bounds and the realm of our country for me to live out huge portions of my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let me, let me show you what I mean. As a, a member of the kingdom of heaven, God has called me to some things. Right, God's called me to follow him. God's called me to be with his people. God calls me to pray. As a citizen of America, I have the freedom to go in my house and pray. Total, right? As a citizen of America, I have the freedom to be here in church today. We can all gather together and it's completely legal to do so, right? Total freedom. Our kids can worship God. They can say, I wanna follow Jesus. And we have all kinds of freedom and room to do that. I I can look and say, you know what, I want to be part of a small group and I have total freedom to meet with other believers in a home and be part of a life group and say, you know what, this is important, biblical community is a value for me and I have the freedom in America to live that out. I can look and even say, it's, it's legal for me to give my money and say, Lord, I want to be generous to you and responding to you and, and the government actually says, hey, we'll encourage you to do that, we'll even give you a tax break. See those relationships start to play out. Huge area of freedom right here where I can live out my citizenship in the kingdom of God in a completely legal way that my country is kind of fine with. My country would say, that's fine, go for it. Live it out. You can pray, you can read your Bible, you can be kind to your neighbor, you can share your faith, you can make a faith choice to follow Jesus, and I could go on and on and on and on about all of the freedoms and all of the ways that we already have a complete access in many ways to follow Christ here in our country. Seeing that? Green means go, it's good to go. I'm gonna use red and yellow in the rest of our conversation, kind of break down the different relationships. So this area right here, I'm free in my 
to live out my uh, citizenship in my country and in my kingdom. Now, there are things in my country that are going to be legal. They're going to be fine. The country would look and say, you're absolutely allowed to do that. That would not be acceptable for me to do because of my membership in the kingdom of God. So, what would this look like? Let me give you some examples. I made this red because it means stop, okay? Nice and easy, green and red, right? So I would look and say, in my country, in the United States today, if you want to live your life for greed, go for it. You have total legal freedom within the bounds of the law. If you just say, you know what? I am all about money. I want to live for money. I want to give myself completely to amassing as much wealth as I can within the bounds of the law. You have total freedom to do that in our country. If you're a follower of Jesus, you would say, you know what, though? Jesus told me I can't love money and God. So I would look and say, you know what? I can't do that. Why? Because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Money is not evil, but living for it and loving it is. Right? So I would say, you know what? That's a block for me. I got to stop. I can't go there, even though I could in my country. My citizenship here in the kingdom stops me. Let me give you another example. I could look and say, you know what, I got hurt in life. In my country, I'm free to be bitter. It's legal. You can be as bitter as you want. Do you know that? You can be as angry and bitter and as cantankerous of a person as you want to be. Go for it, right? It's totally legal. No one will ever fine you or put you in jail for being a bitter person. But Jesus would look and say, I want you to forgive as you've been forgiven. You can't jump over here and live that way. Why? Because you're a citizen in my kingdom. And my my children, my citizens, don't engage in bitterness or unforgiveness. They forgive as they've been forgiven. And we would even see this show up legally at times. As the laws change, sometimes there's greater areas that are opened up in our country that we would look at and say, we can't access that as a follower of Christ, as a citizen of the kingdom. So, for example, when our laws change regarding marriage, we would say, that that is opening up areas that we would not agree with, and that's fine, right? We just recognize that some things would change here in our country. We would look at things like this, like uh, the reality that we in our country are free to get drunk. You can absolutely get drunk in our country, as long as you're not driving, right? Don't drive, but if you're at your house and you want to get drunk, you are legally allowed to do that. A follower of Jesus would say, no, I can't do it. Let me make sure this is clear. I am free to do both, act out my citizenship in my country and in my kingdom here in the green. In the red, I'm simply not allowed or called upon by God to go over here, even though my country says it's totally legal. And we could go on and on and on about all kinds of different examples of how that would look. Let me say this before we move on. In every country... In every place, in every time, there is always green and there's always red. Just want to make sure we see that. There's always green and there's always red. There's always going to be a reality that I can live out my faith to a certain extent and I can't fully embrace all of the the freedoms or the things that my country would endorse. That's always going to be the case. It really comes down to a matter of of how much green and how much red. Okay? Let me show us another relationship before we get too far. There are some things that are kind of just on the line. They don't really matter at all to God. They're legal in our country, 
but they don't really matter to God. They're not moral. Uh, there are things that we can choose to like or not like, okay? So, for example, like, I like chainsaws a lot. Like, I really like chainsaws. And I'm personally convinced that if you like chainsaws, you would be closer to God. But that's a, evidently God didn't say that. So if, if you don't like chainsaws, God will look at you and say, that's fine. You don't, you don't have to like chainsaws. If you like chainsaws, God will look and say, well, that's fine. You're allowed to like chainsaws. Praise the Lord that you're allowed to do that. Right? If you want to wear clothes, well, you should wear clothes. But like, if you want to wear certain clothes... You're allowed to pick out, if you like jeans, wear jeans. If you like khakis, you can wear khakis. It makes no difference to God. It's not right or wrong. And there's a whole category of thinking that would fall right in that line. There's no morality chosen to it. It's totally legal, and I can play out however I want. Okay? Freedom. You can eat. Right? You, you can eat Chipotle. You can eat Five Guys. You can eat all kinds of things. You go down here to the melt, you have total freedom. And God would not look at you and think better or worse of you because of it. And sometimes there are even laws that would show up. Watch how this works. And there would be laws that would fall into this category as well. So for example, uh, the right to bear arms. So here's one where if I have a gun and I own a gun and I'm a follower of Jesus, Jesus would look at me and say, hey, if you follow me and you own a gun, great. If you are a follower of Jesus and you choose not to have a gun, great. It's on the line. It's not right or wrong. It doesn't make a difference. It's not really a priority for the kingdom of God. And it's not wrong in the kingdom of God. Following that? Some things are allowable in my country, but not in my kingdom. Some are both. Some don't really make a difference. Let me give you one more category. There are some things that I'm called to do as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven that are illegal in my country. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. There are some things that I'm called to do as a citizen of the kingdom of God that are illegal in my country. I made this yellow because we should always exercise caution before we break the law. It's just generally a good principle, you know? So here, here's how this works. Let me give you a couple examples that would show up in the Bible. We're not gonna have time to look there, but I'll walk you through one. So when the church first started in the book of Acts, Peter and John were going around telling people about Jesus. And the authorities looked at them and they said, you are not permitted to tell people about Jesus anymore. You need to stop. You're done, right? Or you're going to be in legal trouble. And they looked at them and they said, uh, we, we can't do that. Like, no. We're not going to stop telling people about Jesus. You decide whether it's right for us to listen to you or for us to listen to God. And there are times in certain situations in our country, and mostly we see this in other countries, where we'll have to actually break the law in order to be an obedient member of the kingdom of heaven. Mostly we don't find this here in our country. Our country is built and founded on freedom, which is awesome. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. We see this in other countries all the time. So let me give you some examples. Our brothers and sisters around the world who are followers of Jesus, we, we tend to own, I probably own, I don't know, 10, 12 copies of the Bible. I probably don't think that much of it, if I'm honest. Brothers and sisters across the world, they're not even allowed to own a copy of the Bible. 
And then they would look and say, if I want to follow Jesus, I, want to, I have to be able to read God's word and hear his heart, hear his voice. And so literally, people smuggle Bibles into those countries, yellow, right? They're breaking the law in order to follow Jesus. They can't meet publicly as a church because it's illegal for them to talk about Jesus in the way that we would talk about Jesus. So what do they do? They go underground as a church and they meet illegally, right? Why? Because they're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and they're going to be obedient to their king no matter what their country says. Thankfully, uh, we haven't had to run into that a whole lot here in America. Uh, Probably, uh, I really can't think of a great example where we, we would need to operate like this, honestly, today. Because sometimes there's areas where uh, things are starting to, to change a bit with our legal system. Let's use an example like this, where we would say, okay, well, God's called us to pray, right? God's called us to pray. And we would look and say, well, some laws have changed about praying in some corporate public spaces. Right? Some, you're not allowed to pray in some arenas of life now where you used to be. Think schools, think right other places. And so here, when I'm a Christ follower, I want to look and say, I want to exercise wisdom. I can pray at school. I can pray at church. I can pray in a small group. I can pray with some friends. I can pray, right? I could keep going like all day long. So if I can be obedient to God and not break the law, I should probably do that. Just as a general principle, I want to exercise caution whenever going outside of the bounds of what God's, or what the country's telling me to do in order to be obedient to God. I want to try to stay in the green if I can. Sometimes people are pushed out and you have to break the law in order to be obedient to Christ. In our country, in our situation, we have not had to face that at this point. So, green is great overlap. Red is I'm going to be obedient. Uh, I'm going to be not listening to all the freedoms my country has because I want to be obedient to the kingdom. Here, I'm breaking the law to be obedient to God. Can I start to see my dual citizenship and how it starts to play out? That my life is now caught in the midst of this, and it probably always will be to an extent as long as I live here on the planet. Probably, there will always be red, there will always be green, and typically, in most situations, there's yellow. There's yellow. And I have to face that. I have to understand that reality. So the question is, now what do I do? Right? I start to understand the relationship. I see, Ryan, what you're saying. This gives us some clarity on, on how it all works. What do I do now? Because I'm still caught in the midst of a dual citizenship. Jesus was asked kind of a similar question to that in, in the book of Mark. When he was on the planet, he would find himself in these difficult situations where people would try to trap him. I'm going to show you this passage, Mark chapter 12, Uh, We'll look at this together at least for a minute or two. And uh, as you're turning there, let me give a little plug for my friend, uh, Pastor Tony, over at the Medina East Campus. He did a four-week series on this. Obviously, more time than we're going to be able to give to this passage of Scripture. Check that out. It's the series called Citizen, and uh, he did a phenomenal job of breaking this down in depth, and I encourage you to catch that if you are interested in it. As you're turning there, Mark chapter 12, verse 13, uh, let's read this together. And we'll walk through it. It says, Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch, uh, to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and they said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. 
but you teach the way of God in accordance with truth. And they ask him this question, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. He says, why are you trying to trap me? He asked, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Let me give you a little background of what's happening. Uh, the Pharisees and Herodians typically would butt heads with each other. Okay? They, they would disagree in many ways politically. The Pharisees were extremely devoted to God. Uh, they wanted, they would have wanted uh, to not pay the taxes, and here's why. This denarius that Jesus was talking about when he said whose image is it and whose inscription is on it, that coin that would have been paid for taxes would have had the face of Caesar on it, and the inscription would have said that it was Caesar, son of the divine God, right? So it, it basically said this is the son of God. And the Pharisees would have looked at that and said, if you involve yourself in paying taxes, if you take that coin and you use it, you are basically being a heretic. You are involving yourself in something that is untrue and something we don't believe in because that Caesar is claiming to be the son of God. The Herodians are on the other side of the fence. So the Pharisees looked and said, you can't pay taxes, Jesus. The Herodians are on the other side, and they're, very, uh, all, they're all about Rome, right? And, and they, want, they want Jesus to pay the tax, and they said, if Jesus doesn't pay the tax, here's what's going to happen. We're going to look at you, and we're going to report you, and you're going to be a criminal. So Jesus finds himself faced with this question. Jesus, basically, right? They guised this question, but basically they're saying, are you a heretic or are you a criminal? Are you going to renounce your faith? You're going to go to jail. Difficult question. And Jesus would look at them, in essence, and see through their hypocrisy, see through the trap, and he answers them uh, with an unbelievably wise answer. It's mind-blowing. Here's what it says, verse 17. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. And he would look at that coin and say, whose image is on that? Caesar's. What's the inscription say? Right? It says that he's the son of God. Give back to Caesar what Caesar's. The thing that bears his image, give that to him. Pay your taxes. Give to Caesar what Caesar's. Now think through this, he would, right, because they would have known the Bible, these men that are approaching him, but he would say, now give to God what is God's. What bears God's image? What has the mark and the imprint of God on it? That coin has the mark and the imprint of Caesar. What has the mark and the imprint of God? And the Pharisees and the Herodians would have both known the answer to this. Oh, give to God what is God's. Human beings, you and I, are the ones made in the image of God. They would have known that, recognized that, and they would have recognized that Jesus was saying, you first give yourself to God. Give your heart and your passion and your zeal and your energy to God, and then you pay your taxes. You give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Here's what Jesus was saying, right? Jesus was saying, I don't give the best of myself to my country if I'm a follower of Christ. 
Do I interact with it? Do I engage it? Absolutely. But I give myself to the kingdom, give myself to God because I bear his image. Talked about that last week. I bear his image, so I give myself to God and and then I participate in the country, of course. I give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And when, when this gets reversed is when things really start to get a little bit wonky, okay? When I start to look and say, I'm gonna give myself to Caesar, when I give myself to country, and my passion and my zeal and my heart and my anxiety and I'm losing sleep at night over my country, everything starts to get backwards. Here's what happens. When I begin to forget my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven and I don't give to God what is God's, I give myself first to the country, what will happen is I start to give all that is due to God here. And I'll start to align up behind a candidate that I don't really believe in. And I'll begin to evangelize around that candidate. And I'll share and I'll, I'll be associated with that candidate when if I was real honest, I don't know if I would associate with even the king of my kingdom, right? And, and I don't care who knows and, and I'm gonna slander and I'll share that Facebook post even though I don't know if what's being said is true and I get caught up in it and I'm losing sleep and I'm asking questions and where's the country gonna go and why? I'm giving myself to Caesar rather than giving myself back to God. Here's what Jesus is saying in essence. God never called us to save a country. He called us to seek a kingdom. God never called us to save a country. He called us to seek a kingdom. That's what we're called to do. When I look at where to give my energy and where to give my heart and my attention and my zeal, what things should keep me up at night? It should be things of the kingdom before things of the country. Here's how this works. When we go to vote, we want to go to vote as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We will not, we're not called to show up and vote primarily as citizens of a country. So we don't show up to vote and show up in the ballot in order to make history with our vote. We don't show up at the ballot uh, to try to vote with our wallets, to try to save as much money for ourselves as we can. We, we don't even show up to vote to save the country. We show up as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It's completely different. And I wanna show up and I wanna, I wanna love what God loves and value what he values, and I wanna do my very best. And when I make that decision to represent God, And you're going to say, well, Ryan, it's still not that easy. I know. It's still confusing. It's still frustrating. It's still deeply imperfect. But I want to clear my mind and clear my heart and make sure that I am voting and I'm approaching my citizenship kingdom first, not country first. I want to make sure my motivations are pure, as pure as they can be. Because this election is not a popularity contest. Because I'm not sure either of these candidates are going to be popular. <laughs> right? Or even the, the ones that are not as known. 
I sat with my uh, son and daughter. I remember we were on a little trip together and we sat and we watched the first debate together. Oh, what an interesting experience this was. Yeah. And I sat there and uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter is eight. My son is nine, almost 10. I remember sitting there watching their response to the presidential candidates in their, in their debates with each other. And I thought, this is crazy. What is happening here? And he, here's, what, here's what I think. If I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I'm gonna look at that and I want my kids to understand that much of the behavior and the attitudes and the dialogue they saw in those debates is not appropriate for a follower of Jesus. Okay, it's just not. And I want them to understand that the office of president of the United States is something that we should honor. Right, that whoever gets elected, we're gonna honor them, we're gonna pray for them, we're gonna respect them and offer them respect once they're a candidate. Why? That's part of what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. But here's the thing, right? I give myself here, not here. God never called me to save a country, he called me to seek a kingdom. Here's the next perspective I want us to see. Romans chapter 13, fascinating perspective that the Apostle Paul is gonna give a few pages over here to the right, page 790 in those Bibles. And keep in mind as you're turning there to Romans 13, the situation that the Apostle Paul found himself when writing this letter to the Romans is he found himself in a situation where there wasn't that much green. There was a lot of red and there was a lot of yellow. And the Apostle Paul, who's writing what we're about to read, is a guy that would have been, he would have experienced going to jail for his faith. So give that context as we read this. Here's what he says. Romans 13, verse one. Here's all we're gonna have time for today. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Wow, that that has to govern my mindset and my perspective. There, I'm gonna read it again. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Over all countries and all people, right, in all situations we're gonna find ourselves, we have to remember that God is in control of all of this. That God is in control. The, the biblical word is that he is sovereign. Right, the theological word. That he's over it all. That, that nothing that we're experiencing today is surprising to God. That he, he's not baffled by the Donald, you know, and by Hillary, he knows all of it. He sees all of it. it. And we would look and say, well, well, what, what, happens? It, what happens if our country starts to slide this way? If it keeps sliding this way and there's more yellow and there's more red and there's less green, what then? Are you sure that God's in control of all that? It's a great question. Here's the thing. If our country continues to change, if the people of our country continue to say, we, we really don't want God to be a part of who we are. Listen, we at some point as followers of Jesus have to say, 
so be it. We have to say so be it from a legal perspective. If things change in our country, will we have to learn a new way to live? Yes. We'll have to figure out how to live like the first church lived because remember, they lived in a very different government than we did. See, here's the thing. We were never promised. Listen, we were never promised a Christian nation. God did not promise that. God did not promise an easy life. He did not promise a persecution-free faith. In fact, he would say this. Paul, speaking to Timothy, he'd say everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Would we have to learn a new way? Yes, we would have to learn how to deal with that. How to have some of our, today, our rights infringed upon and have to do that with grace and respect and love. Say, well, does that mean we should disengage from government and not show up and not worry and not vote? No, no, you you should absolutely vote. You should absolutely engage. If we have the freedom to speak into where our country is going, we should absolutely do that. And some of you would be called individually to be a part of the political process. The church shouldn't do that. The church shouldn't give itself to politics, but individuals certainly will. And we, as individuals, are called to show up and engage and move towards good as much as we can. So as we go into that voting ballot, if we have the opportunity to see some of God's kingdom values move this way, we should take that opportunity. And you should, with full conviction, do your very best to represent God's heart and mind as you make decisions this week. Absolutely. It's important that you do that. Say, Ryan, who do I vote for? Vote for God's values the best you can. Try to represent justice and love. Try to represent life. Try to think of the people across the world that are hurting. Try try to, right, you're going to show up and you're going to, God's values are going to show up in those ways. And I realize that doesn't give a clear answer and I recognize that it's still confusing. What's clear is my motives are, are clarified. It's not about saving a country. It's about seeking a kingdom. This is how this works. Some of us would say, well, is God losing control of the country? It's the wrong question. That is the wrong question. The right question is this. What is God doing here and now among us to grow and build the kingdom that we're called to seek? That's the question. What's God doing with his kingdom? Because here's the thing, we can't control where the country's gonna go. We're not called to. We're not called to give ourselves to it, right? God never called us to save a country, called us to seek a kingdom. How do we walk away this week? How do we land this conversation? Great question. I think we start here. I want to ask myself first and foremost, am I a dual citizen? If you're here today and you have a a citizenship in the United States, I would ask you, have you ever become a member of the kingdom of God? Have you joined and said, you know what? I don't know who to follow in this world. I, I want to follow Jesus. There's no other king who laid down his life to pay for yours and mine. That's what Jesus was doing when he came to the earth. 
lived a perfect life, died an innocent death, offered us forgiveness, and now he is the one I can look to and he will never fail me. He's the only one who'll never fail. His government is perfect. And if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus before, would you consider that? Look at what Christ has done for you and recognize that I don't have to only be a part of a country. I can be part of a kingdom. Kingdom that will never be shaken. If you want to say yes to Christ today, do that. In all the confusion, all the chaos of our country, we're all looking for a leader that we can actually follow. Follow Jesus. Vote first with your heart. Say, Christ, I want to follow you. For some of us, that would be a decision to make. Uh, for, for many of us, we would look and say, okay, I'm a dual citizen. Here's the question for us. Which citizenship is ruling and is the priority right now in my life? Am I living as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven first? Are, are God's values and his priorities what's burning in my heart and soul? Because there, there's all kinds of zeal and energy thrown right here right now. Right? Are, are we so consumed with who's gonna make it into office and we're losing sleep over that and it's, it's taking up our oxygen in life? What, what about the people that are going to hell? What, what about the lost that aren't being loved? What about the priorities of the kingdom? Am I losing sleep over those? Are those consuming me? Am I giving myself first to God and then giving to Caesar what is Caesar's? Which kingdom is my priority? I want to answer that question. If, if I find that I've given myself first to country, then I've got to own that. I've got to own that. I've got to take responsibility for that and say, I need to shift my allegiance and my loyalty here first. Not that I'm abandoning my country, but this is number one. Why? We're never called to save a country. We're called to seek a kingdom. And then for all of us, when we go into this week, here, here's a verse I, I wanted us to read together here before we end our time. Hebrews 12 says this, says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So on Wednesday, right, when this thing is all said and done, whoever wins the election, at the end of the day, we, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a part of a kingdom that will never be shaken. It will never come undone. And we are to be followers of that kingdom, and so we are to not be shaken, to live in fear or anxiety there's no more appropriate response right now than for us to look to the king and to worship, what do you say? To be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Because we have a God that is perfect in justice and love and compassion. He sees the widow and the orphan and the refugee and the unborn. He loves and he knows all of our sins. He loves us. He has forgiven our sins from top to bottom, from the great to the small, and he will never fail. He's a kingdom that will never be shaken. Can we worship that God together? 
seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness. And this week, we'll live out our citizenship here in the States. I have the band come out. I want us to pray. Can we worship together? Think. Father, we want to say thank you. Or thank you that you have not abandoned us, that we don't have to put all of our hope and trust in, in human leaders, Lord. We will respect the office and even the people that land in those offices. But God, ultimately, our higher citizenship is in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you never fail. That there's no secrets about you that are going to come out that there's no slander against you that could ever hold, that you are perfect in all of your ways, that you love and you forgive, that no earthly kingdom can destroy your heavenly one. We praise you for that, that you are strong and reliable and true. And God, in this confusing time, we choose to trust and to cling to you. Or give us courage. Give us faith. Give us perspective. Help us to believe, Lord, in your kingdom, even when we can't see it.